Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to the best of Julia Hartley Brewer, my daily podcast with the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Well, let's uh, talk to uh, the British Medical Association, BMA's Emergency Preparedness Lead GP, Dr Peter Holden, once again, to find his thoughts on that. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Good morning. Julia. I mean, well, I mean, I mean that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Realistically, you know, we are not at high risk in this country, despite the spread of, germs, of, of this virus. Nine, nine people in this country only who've been infected. There is this concern about this woman who's flown into the capital, though, a few days ago. And, uh, and, and I mean, I mean, copies, some people say she's, she's British, some people are saying she's a Chinese woman, but she's thought to have developed symptoms after landing at Heathrow. But a lot of people questioning, why is someone arriving back from China allowed in the country without being quarantined? Well, we couldn't possibly quarantine everybody coming from everywhere, because that would be the logical step if one was to go down that avenue. Because remember, people fly via different hubs. You can't say where they've come from. What are you going to do if they route through, I don't know, Abu Dhabi or... or Cyprus. And they say, well, I've come from Cyprus. Well, indeed, most people flying in from China probably would fly in via some in the Middle East or Singapore yeah. or, or Hong Kong. But this is it. The amount of documentation we have to provide to fly internationally now, surely this is uh, available information. I, I, I don't... I, I think this is about proportionality. Um, and it's about... You know, the first two flights came directly from where we think the sources came from. It came from Wuhan. But it's a question of... Are we going to put the whole country in quarantine? You know, gosh, they've been on the Heathrow Express, they've been on the tube. No, actually, if the, the, there's been the virologist on this morning who's been, who's sort of uh, adduced the figures uh, of people infected in China and worldwide with the number of people leaving China, and he, he's saying he thinks this is much bigger in China than uh, let on. Well, if that's the case then the mortality rate's far less than we think it is. And actually what we're then down to is something that is unpleasant, uh, that is economically highly disruptive. And that's, I think, where we're coming to now, assuming that virologist's assumption is right. 
But the problem is we don't know the shape of the monster. So we don't know whether we've got to use bows and arrows, a flamethrower or bullets. No, I mean, that's the crucial thing. Actually, it is very interesting also um, that the 83 Britons who came on the very first evacuation flight uh, from uh, Wuhan, again, not just from China, but from Wuhan, the epicentre of the outbreak, they have all tested negative. We spoke to one of those, Matt Raw, on the show yesterday. He said they'd been tested on Monday. The results were coming back yesterday. And if they came back uh, negative for everybody, they would all be uh, allowed home today after spending 14 days quarantine on the Wirral. Um, uh, we also know that tests on two prisoners at HMP Bullingdon and Oxfordshire were also negative uh, because, of course, one of the prisoners had been flown in from a jail in Thailand where there had been an outbreak. Um, but this does suggest that exactly the, 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 there has to be a very specific link uh, to, I mean, again, the businessman, the British businessman, the so-called super spreader, he'd been in Singapore. Obviously, he was somebody who'd been in China at the meetings and had very close contact. Um, there is, though, concern that the figures we're getting out of China are not accurate. There has been some talk that there's been a plateauing off of the number of cases, but but uh, some experts have said, look, there's, A, we can't trust anything that comes out in terms of Chinese data uh, because of their history of lying about these things. And B, this could just be that they've just reached that saturation in terms of their ability to actually test people. So it may not be evidence of plateauing out and certainly not a, a drop in the number of cases. I think that those experts' views are probably right. Um, any thinking person who understands even the beginnings of epidemiology, and as a GP, yes, we all got training, but I'm not an expert in it. You know, I think those are reasonable conclusions. I don't think people have been straight with us about how long this has been going on. Um, if you read the paper in The Lancet, which you probably didn't, and I did. <laughs> I and did it's, not. It's the only time I've ever read a paper in The Lancet. I'll be up front. Uh, bottom line is they said it occurred in December. Well, there were 31 days in December, and it takes a long time to put together a paper of the quality that would go in The Lancet. So, uh, you know, even if we're charitable, I think they've known about this probably since the beginning of December, not the end of December, uh, and that's being charitable. And I think there is an issue there about have they reached saturation point in their capacity to test. And I have not been to China, but colleagues who have tell me that, you know, the university hospitals, the standard of medicine will be terrific. Yeah. But you, you've got these huge mega cities that have sprung up. But have the, have the hospital capabilities been built with them? And what is the real level? of healthcare provision in China. We don't really know. Yeah. Not many years ago, we were talking about barefoot doctors in China. So the truth is, is you've possibly got a society that's got cars, iPhones and everything else, rather than actually got a health service. Yeah, I mean, that's, they're, they're obviously going to be concerned about that. And in terms of, again, the precautions people can take here, you know, we've got our, you know, our, our, uh, our, our sanitizers for our hands and people, you know, coughing yeah. and sneezing into tissues. Uh, and just and perhaps the advice of also Professor John Oxford, that perhaps a little less hugging and, uh, and kissing at this time of year. But that's regardless, presumably, of uh, coronavirus. It's just for not spreading uh, flu and colds. I mean, I'm a bit ruthless about people, anyone who's got a cold, I'm going, yeah, yeah, would it be all right if I didn't touch you and come near you? I've I'm just, okay. you know... I need to go to work in the morning. Exactly. I think there is that issue there. And I think, I think yeah, it is about people do need to simply up their game on... Uh, they need to up their game on, on washing P- their hands. Personal hygiene. Personal hygiene. Because actually it's got a pretty low pass. And some of us who work in primary care in particular have noticed this hugely in recent years. Yeah. Uh, some, and you know... What's probably the filthiest thing that we've got that we forever handling? 
our iPhones. Yes. People are handling it while they're eating breakfast. They're handling it on the train. They're coughing over it. And somebody has done some research to look at uh, mobile phones, and they're disgusting. Um, we're forever touching things. Yeah. And so it is about good, basic, personal hygiene. Catch it, pin it, kill it, um, and, and wash your hands. And if you're not somewhere where you wash your hands and your hands are not actually soiled, well, use a, use a whole sanitizer. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Know your times. Yesterday, we had a question in the House of Commons uh, from uh, Jeremy Corbyn to the Prime Minister about those Jamaica deportation flights and a particular flight which had 25 people taken off the flight uh, after a late last-minute court of appeal. Uh, these, of course, are convicted foreign-born uh, uh, offenders. But this is what Jeremy Corbyn had to say. Take the example of a young black boy who came to the UK aged five and is now being deported after serving time for a drugs offence. If there was a case of a young white boy with blonde hair who later dabbled in Class A drugs and conspired with a friend to beat up a journalist, would he deport that boy or is it... Or, Mr Speaker, is it one rule for young black boys from the Caribbean and another for white boys from the United States? Well, as you can hear, some consternation about that from certainly Tory MPs. Labour supporters online appeared to really like that uh, when it was put out as a clip. Let's talk to Satbir Singh, Chief Executive of Joint, Joint Council for the Welfare of Immigrants. Good morning to you, Satbir. Morning, Julia. Um, is Jeremy Corbyn right? Is there one rule for uh, Jamaican boys from the Caribbean, black boys from the Caribbean, and, and uh, white boys who've gone to Eton? Well, I think there's certainly something disingenuous about um, government spokespeople repeatedly pressing this line that somehow everybody that they're deporting to the Caribbean is a rapist and a murderer and a committer. They haven't said that. They've said they're offenders. serious offenders, including they've, they've, rapists they've and killers. They've used that line, I've counted, 76 times since Monday to describe the people on this flight. And we know that a huge number of people that they deport are guilty of minor offences um, or offences for which they have been rehabilitated, for which they have been discharged from prison with judges saying that they pose no more threat to the public. And again, we're talking about, and you, know, you, you and I talked about this the other morning, if people have been here for their whole lives, if their families are here, they're basically British at this point. What is the sense in sending them back to a place okay. that isn't? Home? Well, this this thing. I mean, I I uh, I, I say I, I totally don't understand why Jeremy Corbyn still thinks after two failed elections why this sort of digging at Boris Johnson for the school his parents to send him to. I, I still find quite utterly bizarre. Uh, but there's no doubt at all that uh, there's very strong evidence in the criminal justice system that a, a a black man and a white man going to court for exactly the same history and going to court for the same uh, crime, a black man is more likely to get a stiffer sentence. That has been really quite well documented. Now, But the key thing here is, um, I, I, as we discussed the other day, I make a big distinction between the people who are going to be on that deportation flight who've been brought here as children and who have then gone on to commit a crime, uh, whether or not serious. Well, I, my view is that, you know, they, they, don't, they, they don't have the paperwork to prove they're British because it costs a few grand and quite a lot of paperwork to do it, but I consider them to be our responsibility. People who come here as adults and commit a crime, even, frankly, a relatively uh, minor crime, if it's, it's not that minor if you've served more than a year or been sentenced to more than a year behind bars. Um, I've 
I've got very little sympathy. But it's this idea that, that deportations to Jamaica happen because people are black. It's been linked to the Windrush uh, deportations as well. And yet, um, figures, official figures uh, from the Home Office uh, last year show the criminals deported from the UK in 2019. Um, the, the largest number of people deported last year, 1,298 people to Romania, 1,278 to Albania, 1,026 to Brazil, 603 to Poland, 418 to Lithuania. And yet we don't get an outcry about those, but there is an outcry about 50 Jamaicans. What does that tell you? Well, actually, I think we, we raise very similar concerns whenever these charter flights take off, whenever flights are taking off, kind of shrouded with secrecy and without the right due process. But I think there is something in the public imagination that picks up on the link with the Caribbean. And so that sort of gets more traction. And but, more oh, but only because people are talking about it. David Lammy, I don't remember David Lammy getting up uh, and, and shouting at, uh, 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 at the House of Commons about, uh, about Lithuanians being deported. I mean, presumably, if this country and this government and the authorities are racist against Jamaicans because they're black, are they also racist against Romanians and Albanians and Lithuanians as well? You yourself have said there is racism baked into our criminal justice system. So there is something uniquely problematic there. And I think what what caused a a particular outcry, you know, um, for for members of parliament like David Lemmy is the presence this time, this last week, of that leaked lessons learned review in which an official review commissioned by the government to find out what went wrong, what led to the Windrush scandal, says in no uncertain terms we should pause these charter flights until we work out what is going on in the system and we should really consider whether it's still appropriate to deport people who came here as children or people who came here who have only committed very minor offences. I think it's a combination of those things um, with the you know, departure, scheduled departure of the flight um, that led to that outcry. And you have got a community, you've got a Caribbean community in this country and I've spoken to you know, some people from the Windrush generation over the last week who've said they feel a little bit betrayed that that report hasn't been published. You know, some of them have got minor criminal offences from the 70s and 80s, and they're saying, oh, my God, are all of my years in this country going to suddenly be uh, discounted? Because apparently we're not welcome if we made a mistake. Sat Singh, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much, Chief Executive of the Joint Council of the Welfare of Immigrants. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer. Weekday mornings from 6.30 on Talk Radio. Hopefully we're also going to learn a lot in my next interview. Uh, this is the very first book by a journalist and writer, Catherine Baldwin. And it's very, very timely because it comes, well, just uh, less than 24 hours now, ahead of Valentine's Day. Well, you may have time to go and buy a nice big bunch of flowers and some chocolates for your loved one, but do you have time to fall in love. Catherine Baldwin joins me now for her very first book, How to Fall in Love, A 10-Step Journey to the Heart. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Right, it's published, uh, it's on Amazon Kindle, it's in paperback right now. Now, tell us, um, what is this book about and how do we go about falling in love? This book is about... It's for those people who struggle to fall in love. So some people... Obviously, some fall people in fall really, in love every two minutes. That that's yes. a problem, also. But some people <laughs> find it really easy to find someone to settle down with and to be with for the rest of their lives. And then lots of people, including myself and many of my coaching clients, really struggle to find love. And there are many reasons for that. And those reasons I explore in the book. And the primary reason is because you might have heard this before, but because we don't love ourselves, because we don't have a good relationship with ourselves, because we don't have good self-esteem or good boundaries, yeah. and also because we have dysfunctional relationship patterns. Yeah, and you meet a lot of people, I know a lot of women who say, oh, I always fall in love with the wrong men, or the wrong men fall for me, and I'm like... Let's sit down. Let's have a chat. Well, because again, yeah. that, that, that's a pattern of behaviour as well, isn't it? That's one of the things I talk about a lot in this book. And it was one of my patterns. I kept falling for the wrong people, unavailable people, uh, people who didn't want to commit, commitment phobes. Um, or, and then good people, the good guys, the ones who might want to be with me, I'd run away from them. Yeah. And that's our pattern. And we have to understand the root of that pattern. It often goes way back to our early years, to our childhoods. Why do we keep following that pattern? Why do we keep making the same mistakes? Yeah. And that's what I talk about in this book. Well, you've had a very successful career as a journalist. You were a Reuters correspondent. You were travelling the world. But uh, you, you, you're very open about your own story, that you woke up on your 41st birthday. Beautiful home very successful job, and you burst into tears. Why? So I think many women, perhaps some men, can relate to this. So we we strive and we climb and we create these wonderful careers for ourselves and these lives. And I, you know, I had money, I had a nice flat in North London, but I was completely on my own on my 41st birthday. I had no partner, I had no children, and it felt like, where had those years gone and how come I hadn't done that? And I did used to travel with the Prime Minister and we knew each other in, in those years yeah. in Parliament. And um, I used to come back from those trips to an empty flat. You know, I'd worked so hard, I'd given my all to my job and then there was nobody at home. And I really had to think, what was I striving for? What was I dedicating all and my... And what your priorities years? were. Yeah. And this is the thing, isn't it? Because we, we all know people who were single for many years. I mean, I managed to get the wedding just under the wire at 39. You very recently, though... Just got married, haven't you? At forty-eight. At forty-eight. Yes. You know, congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. Um, what? What? I mean, I suppose this book really is to a certain extent. It's built on 
the, the, the 10 step journey that you yourself went on as well. Um, because we, we do have this idea, don't we? This, this, that we see it in the, the, the rom coms from Hollywood or, you know, or, you know, Love Actually is back made in Britain. And we see it in all the romance literature. And, and you know, whether it's, whether it's from Jane Austen or, or anything, we're constantly sort of this. It's love at first sight. This stuff just happens all the time. And I, I mean, I consider myself to be madly in love with my husband. We've been together 16 years. We, we're not, I don't consider him to be a soulmate. I, I, he will not be offended <laughs> for me to say that. Yeah, I don't, I, it wasn't love at first sight. It wasn't anything like that. Um, but but we, we've been sold this Hollywood idea of love that perhaps a lot of us therefore don't recognise when we are in love and don't recognise when we think we are that we aren't. That's one of the problems. So I talk about that. This, you know, as you say, the Hollywood rom-com, the idea of how it's supposed to be, this crazy chemistry that's supposed to last forever. And from my experience, if you have crazy chemistry, it might be unhealthy. So you have all these fireworks, all these sparks, but then they all fizzle out or they go up in a bang. The relationship goes up in a bang. Or you need to keep having the drama to keep it alive. Exactly. I I had a friend who constantly thought that, you know, you you had to be feeling sort of anxious all the time. And that, well, they they, they flutters. But I said, you know, but... Being anxious isn't the same as being happy. No. I think you're confusing these two emotions. Yeah, so I often talk about how do you want to feel when you're in your relationship? So in the past, I also felt edgy, uh, on edge, um, you know, distrusting, you know, is this person going to be faithful and all those things? And I didn't feel good or peaceful. Um, and now I feel at home, at peace. Um, you want to put, you want to share the love. OK, so d- let's just go through. Just We've only got a couple of minutes left. In terms of someone listening to this, you're saying, yeah, I dread, I absolutely dread Valentine's Day. It just, but lots of people, just this is their idea of hell. Everyone else is, you know, getting flowers and, and cards and wandering around, going, you, you can't go anywhere near a restaurant. I mean, I have to say, I'm happily married. I don't go near a restaurant on, a, on, on Valentine's Night either. But, um, but if someone said, they're going, but you know what? I do want to fall in love. I do want to have a fulfilling relationship. It's not the only thing in life, but it's a really good part of life. Tell them what, what what can people do. The first couple of steps they need to take to get on the right track for that. Buy my book. Oh, buy your book. <laughs> number one. Um, I also have courses and retreats, but for themselves, um, understand who they really are deep inside. Who am I? Am I in the right life? Am I in the right job? One of the things for me was um, in that career that we we were in. In the end, it wasn't. It didn't suit me, and you could say that I was dating in the wrong pool. So it, now I de- live... that was not a lifestyle that suited uh, having a, a happy relationship. relationship. No, no, not at all. So I would, you know, loving themselves is really important, and I know that sounds like a cliche, but cliches tend to be true. Yeah. So on Valentine's Day, they could do something really lovely for themselves. They could have a think about their self-esteem and self-confidence. How is that? And if it's low, they could do something esteemable for themselves to raise their self-esteem and they could explore their patterns. That is crucial and that's the work I love to do. Sit sit down with a sheet of paper and look at your exes or or the people you've rejected and and ask yourself why. Yeah, you are the common denominator in all those failed relationships. So what was the pattern? Who were you drawn to? And then you could start opening your eyes and see different people and start being open or dating people who aren't your usual type, questioning some of those um, preconceptions you might have. What about getting friends and family to to give you advice and set you up? Because I often think that often people, again, is that idea that they want somebody, damaged people want other damaged people, they're the people they find exciting and attractive and get the flutters with, which they don't realise is perhaps an unhealthy thing. And I've seen this in friends of mine. Actually, let me set you up with someone I think would be good for you, who you might actually like. Yeah, I think that's... Try them on for size. Yeah, so I met my 
now husband through mutual friends. And I think that's a great way to meet people. But as you say, if, if we are damaged in ourselves, then we can do what we can to heal ourselves so that we're no longer drawn to damaged damage people. And if you don't really like yourself very much, it's probably not very easy for someone else to like you. No, you want to be somebody that you'd like to take on a date. This is a good point. This yeah, is a very would good I point. like to date myself? Do I have a life in which I'm happy? Am I happy with myself? Um, am I doing all my hobbies? Uh, am I fulfilled? Or yeah. am I lonely and depressed? Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Thank you for listening to the best of Julia Hartley Brewer. Don't forget to catch me live tomorrow morning from 6.30 on DAB, Smart Speaker and online at talkradio.co.uk. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.